on behalf of Bishop James and Pastor Justine Hansen-Saki, I want to welcome all of you to this evening's midweek service. If you are joining us for the first time, this is a very special welcome to you. You are welcome to Christ Church International, and you are welcome to our midweek service. And today we have our very first Get Understanding service of the year. Can I hear some shouts? Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. We love Get Understanding because we really do get understanding. Amen. 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 The Lord Jesus, Bishop James, to answer all the questions. It doesn't matter how, how difficult or how easy we think the question is. Bishop answers all of them with the help of the Holy Spirit. And we learn and we grow. And we've been growing, and this year we are going to grow to even higher heights. Amen. So you are welcome to our Get Understanding service this evening. This evening we have some very interesting topics that we have received already and we'll be talking about. We'll be talking about fake churches and fake pastors. We'll be talking about how to cast out demons and a lot more. So take your seats, take your notebooks, get ready, and let's go on. Hallelujah. Amen. As we go on, if you have any questions, you can post them in um, the chat where you are, Christchurch HQ on YouTube, or you can send an email to getunderstanding at christchurches.org. Amen. And we'll go right into it. Help me, church, with some emojis and some claps and some shouts to give Anna to whom Anna is due as we invite our very own Bishop James to join us this evening. Hallelujah. so much for another get understanding we are very anticipative of the mm. things that we are going to be learning this year amen because we have learned a lot in the past That's and right. we are happy that you always avail yourself to us amen amen This very special um, get understanding service. Uh, we believe that God is here and He will speak to us and teach us. Amen. Amen. Let's share a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, we ask that your Holy Spirit, who is the teacher, will come and teach us tonight. We pray that you bring understanding to us in the name of Jesus. We cast out every spirit of misunderstanding confusion, and every form of challenges to the broadcast and to the mission of this assignment tonight. We ask that your Holy Spirit will breathe life into this teaching. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 All right. Okay. Um, with your permission, as always, Papa. Yes. I think we'll just um, kick off right away. Yes. Um, we have some very, like I said, some very, very interesting topics. Mm -hmm. And I think I'm going to start off with, um, we hear a lot of uh, people saying that, oh, this one is a fake pastor, or this one is a fake church. Mm. Um, but what does it exactly mean? Who is a, a fake pastor, and what is a fake church? And we would like you to take us through that. <laughs> All right, I said that tonight is a very special one because I want to, we will read a lot of scriptures tonight as we get understanding. I don't want it to just come from me, but I want us to really 
get into the scriptures, um, and I'll take my time to really explain a lot on one question. So let's, let's get ourselves ready. But, you know, the word fake is very important. And this teaching is key because every little thing we are quick to either say, that's a fake pastor, that's a fake church. And so there's a lot of description even of very genuine ministries or pastors are being now described as fake. Um, so we want to really explore the scripture and see whether that is the case. But the word fake is key to start with. Uh, it means something or someone who is not genuine, something that is a forgery, an imitation, or something that is practically false. Um, so um, there are many synonyms to that, but I think that this is, this is all right for our purpose tonight. So when we say a church is fake, that means the church is not genuine. If we say a pastor is fake, that means the pastor is not genuine. Now, if there is a fake church and a fake pastor, which we hear a lot of people say these days, that suggests that there should be a genuine church. And that means there should be a genuine pastor. Because you can never validate what is counterfeit until you run it around the original. It is the original that will prove that this is a fake $50 note or 50 pound note. You need to match it against the original. So it means that even those who shout against the church, including unbelievers, for some reason indirectly they believe there's a genuine church and that there is a genuine pastor. And so if we can describe some churches or pastors as fake, then there should be genuine ones too. And the only way we can tell is to go into the word of God and see how do they look like. Um, because I believe that fake churches are founded by fake pastors. And there is a possibility also that a very genuine pastor may end up pastoring a fake church if he's not discerning. And maybe he's a second generational leader. He may end up, that church has been founded for some years, but it has been founded on the wrong premise. They may have used some satanic power to actually plant that church. And so someone else who is genuine will come and be pastoring it. If that person is not discerning, he will actually be pastoring a church that is already founded on, on satanic foundation. So there is also that possibility um, that we can have that. Um, but before we go on, I just want us to, um, you know, think carefully about something because that's what will help me start the whole thing. Uh, it will be a little bit of exercise for us because sometimes we see so much today that any mistake, error, sin, because we look at all of these things and describe a pastor as fake or a church as fake. But I have a very interesting scenario of a question to ask all of us. Uh, that would you be in the church or how would you describe the church that is pastored by a pastor who actually slept with one of his pastor's wives and masterminded the death of the pastor? And then went on to actually marry the pastor's wife that he actually committed adultery with. Um, and then you also begin to see that things are not also well in his home. Um, one of his sons raped one of his daughters. And, and one of the sons also killed one of the sons. Um, and there was trouble in this pastor's house. Um, and this pastor has written a lot of books, including prayer manuals. 
When you hear this news, would you describe him as fake? Would you read his books after such a news? He has written a lot of powerful prayer manuals. Would you pray from those prayer manuals? Uh, I just need some answers tonight. <laughs> it's breaking news all over the place. This pastor is well known, and this is what he has done. He's taken one of his pastor's wives, slept with her, and has also arranged some guys to kill the other pastor, whose wife he has taken and now has snatched the wife. What are people typing? Don't know who are online. I want to see what you are writing. Would you go to this man's church? Would you describe him as fake? Would you read the books he wrote? Because sometimes we hear that and then we say, I won't listen to that person's music again. I'm not going to read his books again. I'm not listening to his messages again. So, would, what would we do? Someone said no. <laughs> okay, so somebody has said no. They won't go to the person's church. They will call him a fake pastor. My audience in the room, what are you thinking? You will not go to his church. You, you will go. <laughs> you are sure? <laughs> Madi doesn't look like someone who attended this person's church. <laughs> uh, people will tell you you will be next. <laughs> but you see, as you all think about this, the pastor I'm describing is David. King David, everything I've described, he fitted the bill. And why are we not describing him as fake? Why are we still re reading Psalm 23 and praying from it? Why reading his books that he wrote? Now that tells us, therefore, that some, we can't just judge or assess a ministry or a pastor being fake because he may have fallen into sin. Now you all know me and my position on sin. But I'm teaching us something here because we are too quick these days to describe someone as fake. And would we therefore have described David as a fake man of God? He is not. The only reason here is that he genuinely yielded to temptation and sinned. So there is the possibility of a genuine yielding to temptation and sinning. But then, in his case, it was not a case of unrepentant sin. He, when it was pointed to him, when he came to his realization, he repented. And there was no other record anymore that he did such a thing. Later on, God came himself to testify that he is a man after his heart. So it is possible that a genuine man of God or a woman of God may fall into temptation and sin and does not necessarily describe that person as fake. Because we need to have that balance. Otherwise, and I asked someone not too long ago that you are a Christian. Sometimes you fall into sin. Those who are falling into sin, sin they became born again. Are you a fake Christian? Because this is a very important question to ask yourself. And therefore, if we look at someone like David, we can see that he was a genuine man of God, and that was temptation that he yielded to. 
And it's true, we can't tell. His home was in chaos. So sometimes you assess the person's home and you say, Lucy can't take care of his own house. How can he take care of the church of God? And here his son is raping his daughter and his son is killing his others. And his son, his son also has risen up against him. So we assess his home. We look at his moral life. And then we see this particular blot. And it was breaking news. And he's a great man of God. And this has happened. So it is possible that this can happen. And that is why we need to be very discerning and properly diagnose what a fake church is and a fake pastor from one that just fell into sin. Because we are in this world and it is possible that that can happen. The difference between this scenario of a man of God who is genuine and a fake man of God is that those who are fake, they are not sorry for their sins. The only time they are sorry is not a godly sorrow. Scripture describes two types of sorrow. Godly sorrow that leads to repentance and worldly sorrow. So worldly sorrow is because I've been caught. That's why I'm sorry. But it's not that there's an inner conviction in that person's heart. Because there's no fear of God and there's no genuine Holy Spirit in such a person. A fake man of God does not have the Holy Spirit in him. So we can be genuine, be filled with the Holy Spirit and may fall into sin. But there is, I'm talking about a fake man of God is a one that has got a chronic unrepentant sin. Chronic immorality. And that is very, very key. Um, and so we mustn't hastily condemn everyone who sins as a fake pastor or fake church or fake Christian. Um, but we need to correctly check. When David found out he repented but you can tell also from the fruit of those who are fake pastors they even come on air to boast about it they are not sorry you know it tells you what kind of spirit they are filled with um and the bible says that by their fruits you shall know them so we will look at a few uh, of these in scripture uh, the next thing that i want to talk about is the fact that these people called fake pastors fake prophets, fake apostles, fake etc. The scripture describes them. Very interestingly, the scripture describes fake apostles, fake teachers, and fake prophets. It didn't say fake pastors and fake evangelists. Uh, but we know that the fivefold ministry, which God has established to lead the church, um, are apostles, prophets, teachers, evangelists, and pastors. Uh, if three of them have been described in scripture, it means that he rooms the rest in. And of course, in the book of John, Jesus described himself as the true shepherd. And the word shepherd from the Greek is the word poimen, which means pastor. So again, Jesus is letting us know there's a true pastor and there's a fake pastor. He says for the fake pastor, he's in for himself. Um, so we will see a few scriptures that I want us to read tonight. Um, and we can see from the Bible um, that we can detect them, we can detect fake pastors and fake churches from the content of their doctrine. The co content of the doctrine that is taught there. The teaching gives a clue. Um, and First John chapter 4, verse 1 to 3, um, in the NLT, I would like um, Bikinama to read for, for us. 
1 John 4, 1 to 3. Dear friends, do not believe everyone who claims to speak by the Spirit. Mm. You must test them to see if the Spirit they have comes from God. Mm. For there are many false prophets in the world. This is how we know if they have the Spirit of God. Mm. If a person claiming to be a prophet acknowledges that Jesus Christ came in a real body, mm -hmm. that person has the Spirit of God. Mm. But if someone claims to be a prophet and does not acknowledge the truth about Jesus, that person is not from God. Such a person has the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard is coming into the world, and indeed is here already. Amen. Amen. So the scripture starts telling us, in terms of doctrine, that's the first thing to find out. What are they teaching? What do they believe and what do they teach? Because doctrine makes all the difference between going to heaven and hell. And the Bible says that one of the classical ways to find whether someone is a genuine man of God or not is that they will have to acknowledge that Jesus the Christ has physically come to the world, not imaginary. See, sometimes they say it's oh, all in the name of Jesus, but they can't go further. If you push them to confess whether Jesus Christ has physically come into the world, you see them dancing around it. And you see, this tells you how other ministries or other religions are not genuine because it's one of the litmus tests. The litmus test is the truth that Jesus Christ is the son of God. He is God the son and that he literally physically came into this world and that he died and rose again from the dead and he physically left to heaven and is coming again. This is a foundational teaching. If they can't teach it many of those places, they mention Jesus all right, but they, sometimes they don't say Christ. You see, because the Christ means the Messiah, the Savior. They don't mention that sometimes. So everybody can say in Jesus' name, but it doesn't, they don't add the Christ to it. They are not acknowledging him as God. Many of the heresies that we see come from that. That's why you have the Nicene Creed um, that acknowledges that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that we believe in God the Father. We believe that he has come into the world. This is what the early church was doing because they saw this sort of fake things going around and people denying the deity of Jesus Christ. That Jesus is fully God and fully human. He wasn't part God and part human. He was fully human and fully God. So John is teaching here that this is how we know they have the spirit of God. That anyone who claimed to be a prophet and acknowledges that Jesus Christ came in a real body. It wasn't imaginary. It wasn't a dream. It wasn't a phantom. Because you have to believe he came in the real body to believe that he was really crucified. Because other religions believe he wasn't the one crucified. And that it wasn't him. It's just an imagination of some people. Now that is a fundamental thing. The litmus test of every doctrine is that Jesus Christ is the son of God. And that he physically came to this earth. And that he died and rose again from the dead. So the doctrine makes a lot of difference in what they are teaching and what they believe. And... When we talk about the doctrine, it must be in context. You see, we want to assess doctrine, it must be in context. What do they teach? Do they teach the whole day? When we talk about proper doctrine, it must agree with the spirit and letter of the scriptures. So you don't take one thing from one side, and it, it is not all over the place, and then you just speak it, and it's just a doctrine. That Once the doctrine is wrong, there is some fake thing around the thing. And that's very, very important. And in order to establish that the doctrine is genuine, we need to also establish some differences tonight. 
Um, because one of the things that people say to describe a church, whether it's uh, genuine or not, to say that they are practicing non-biblical practices. And so they use these words. And I want to use this short time to explain the three words. What is biblical? What is non-biblical? What is unbiblical? They are three different things, but they help us to tell the difference of anything. The first thing is that anything that is biblical speaks for itself. It's straightforward. We can find it in the Bible. Anything we can find in the Bible, that the Bible mentions it, it is biblical. That means the thing is biblical. Um, so if something is in the Bible, it actually comes from the Bible, not from my desires, not from some holy book, not some, from some denominational book, but it is actually from the acceptable canon of the scriptures. Uh, not the one that has got Esdras and Enoch. But I'm talking about the correct 66 books of the Bible. Another time we look at bibliology and then look at where the Bible came from. How were they able to assess what is what? How were they able to remove some books from it like the Apocrypha and etc. And have only these 66 books. What was the litmus test? What did they do? We'll talk about that later. Not for tonight. But biblical means the thing is in the Bible. The next one is non-biblical. And that is something that is not spoken of or mentioned at all in the Bible. That is non-biblical. It is not in the Bible. It is never spoken of in the Bible. It is never mentioned in the Bible. Now, let me also put a caveat in here that we can be practicing something that is non-biblical, but it doesn't make you a fake church. That means the thing is not in the Bible. I mean, there are no air conditions in the Bible. So if a church uses air condition, they are not sinning. Okay, it doesn't make them fake. Uh, I mean, wearing leather jackets and you know, all kinds of other things that we wear in our day to day, we may not find it written in the Bible. So it may be non-biblical, but it doesn't mean that the practice is not righteous. Okay, so some of the foods we eat, they are not in the Bible, but we eat them. So it is non-biblical. You eat some non-biblical foods because it's not mentioned in the Bible. But it doesn't mean that it is sinful. Then the most dangerous bit there is unbiblical. When something is unbiblical, UN biblical, it means the thing is there in the Bible, but the practice violates a scriptural principle. The practice of what we are doing violates a scriptural principle. So it is unbiblical. That, that's where there's a violation of a biblical principle. Um, so it will also violate what all true churches would have done in every era and in every generation. So unbiblical is something that violates a scriptural principle. So that is an unbiblical practice. For example, if we have to do baptism and we do baptism by sprinkling, that is unbiblical because the principle of scripture regarding baptism is that baptism must typify and symbolize the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ that the believer has experienced. That is why baptism must be by immersion and not by sprinkling. So that is unbiblical if we go that way. Um, for example, homosexuality is unbiblical because that practice violates a scriptural principle where God has made it very clear that sex should be between a man and a woman, 
and marriage should be between a man and a woman. So a biblical principle is there, which is marriage between a man and a woman. Anything that violates that principle, therefore, is unbiblical. Uh, I hope I can give examples upon examples, but I, once we get the understanding, we can move on. So we see the difference now between what is biblical, what is non-biblical, and what is unbiblical. You know, sometimes we can, we can say that this person is non-Ghanaian. Then sometimes we describe a situation as this is un-Ghanaian. That means this is not how Ghanaians behave. You see, so there's a setting standard practice and behavior of anyone who is genuinely a Ghanaian. There are certain characteristics that you find about them. And so sometimes when something happens, they say, this is un-Ghanaian. You know, this is un-British. Um, then we say this is non-British because this one is outside. But that's, this is somebody who is British but has practiced something that is totally not the behavior of a British person. So that is the difference between this. And it's very, very important because it helps us also to classify when we see something being practiced consistently in a place. So when we see consistent practice of unbiblical practices, we can tell there's something wrong here. We can tell there's something wrong here. Sometimes people have not known the difference, though they even say it is non-biblical. But something can be non-biblical and it's not simple. But the most dangerous is that which violates a scriptural principle. And, and that is very, very important. So we can see from doctrine, we can also see and descend them from character. Character, because doctrine informs conduct. What we believe, what we are taught, is what we will practice. So, and that conduct should be in line with the Spirit of God, the fruit of the Spirit. Um, and then you also notice, let me just run through this quickly. You also notice, because we read the scriptures and then they will all be coming out. I'm just mentioning it so that when we start reading the scriptures, you'll find the characteristics of the fake pastor and the, and the church. Uh, but you also notice constant reference to their persistent, unrepentant character of greed, lies, sexual sins, unrepentant sexual sins, unrepentant lies unrepentant greed, greed. And then their motive, the motive of the fake pastor in ministry is selfishness. It's not selflessness. It's all about themselves. It's, they won't sacrifice for anything. Oh, what am I getting out of this? You see, it's not going to sacrifice for anything. Everything is for something. That's why they become very greedy. They lie about it. They can scheme to kill to have anything. It's all about making some money, making taking something from someone. And then we can also detect them by operating the fruits of the Spirit, the gift of the Spirit, especially the gift of discerning of spirits and the gift of word of knowledge. Amen. All right, so let's run through some scriptures now. We're starting off with what scripture says about false prophets. False prophets. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 12 to 15, if we are reading from the NLT, it will help us. 2 Corinthians eleven twelve to 15. But I'll continue doing what I have always done. This will undercut those who are looking for an opportunity to boast that their work is just like ours. Mm. These people are false apostles. These people are false apostles. The scripture is describing some people as false apostles. False apostles. And Paul, being a true apostle, is saying there are some people in town. They are false apostles. 
And one of the ways he says, they are, they are taking advantage of every opportunity that their work looks like ours. You know, you need to really have something very special, a special machine to detect that that 20 pound you are holding is genuine or fake. And, and that's why Paul said, it will look exactly like a church. He will quote all the scriptures, but we have to dig further. And a lot have to do with what they are teaching consistently and what they are practicing consistently. Please carry on for me. They are deceitful workers mm. who disguise themselves as apostles of Christ. So they disguise themselves as apostles of Christ and they are being described as deceitful. So you see the deceit is there. They don't speak truth. They are very, very... And because something is deceitful, you can't tell easily until you have taken it in. But I am not surprised. Mm. Even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. Mm. So it is no wonder that his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. Mm. In the end, they will get the punishment their wicked deeds deserve. Amen. So false apostles are described as servants of Satan. That's why I said that false churches are founded with satanic power. But they can act like genuine. They can speak everything. That's why a lot of people get deceived. And that's one important thing Jesus said. He said, by their fruit, you shall know them. The only problem is that, as I've always said, it takes time for fruit to come on a tree. That's why it takes someone a long time before they realize they have been swindled. And they have been robbed. And they have been tricked. And they have been messed up. Um, and, but Jesus, the scripture wants us to be alert about fake churches and fake pastors. Because they look like the genuine you need a scanner, the Holy Ghost. The quality of your knowledge of the Word of God will help you to discern correctly what kind of minister this one is. Uh, please, let's read Revelations 2, 1 to 2. So we've seen the first scripture reference to false apostles. We will see, uh, we have um, another scripture to confirm that, that they are false Apostles, yes. Revelations 2, 1 to 2. Mm. Write this letter to the angel of the church in Ephesus. Mm. This is the message from the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand, the one who walks among the seven gold lampstands. I know all the things you do. I have seen your hard work and your patient endurance. I know you don't tolerate evil people. You have examined the claims of those who say they are apostles but are not. You have discovered their lies. Amen. Amen. Can you imagine? See, the, the, the recommendation of the church in Ephesus was that they were able to fish out false apostles. They could discern them. And God says, I recommend you for this. That means that God wants the believer to be able to be on the lookout and be able to discern what a false apostle is. And he's saying that you have examined their claims. That means their teachings their conduct, their behavior, and you can tell by the leading of the Holy Spirit in you that this is not correct. And God recommended them for that. He says, but this is in your favor. You hate the evil deeds of the Nicolaitans as well. So you will see that that church hated certain things because they can tell this is not of God. And, and it is the duty of every believer to be able to tell that difference. Otherwise, it means that if God is warning us about false churches, it means false churches can do harm. And he recommended the church in Ephesus. May we be like the church in Ephesus. 
And the church in Ephesus were very spiritual people. They are the ones that Paul taught them spiritual warfare. You know, that we are not fighting against flesh and blood. You know, so they, they are very, very spiritual. And they could tell because Ephesus was a very idolatrous um, headquarters of, of the goddess Diana. Um, and so the church there must be alert spiritually. And we are living in the end times. It's a dangerous time we are living in. But you pick them out from what I mentioned earlier. Doctrine, the spirit by which they are operating, that is the practice. And the Holy Spirit will help us. All right. So we've seen two scriptures that talk about false apostles. We want to talk about false teachers. The scripture also identifies false teachers. I found out that false teachers are more dangerous than false prophets. Because they teach. <laughs> Acts chapter 20, verse 28 to 30. Acts 20, 28 to 30. So guard yourselves and God's people. Mm. Feed the shepherd, feed and shepherd God's flock, his church, purchased with his own blood, over which the Holy Spirit has appointed you as leaders. I know that false teachers, like vicious wolves, will come in among you after I leave, not sparing the flock. Even some men from your own group will rise up and distort the truth in order to draw a following. So Amen. you see, the characteristic of a false teacher, they distort the truth. The truth of the word of God, it runs through scripture. Right from the Old Testament to the New, you will see it running. You can't just pit, pick a scripture in isolation, you know, and say... Um, yes, bring, um, you know, they bring some offering for double portion of anointing. You know, that is on Elijah. Then they go and use Elijah's scripture. Uh, where else did you see double portion of anointing being, being mentioned? And how was it imparted? Did Elijah collect some money from anybody? No. He says, follow me. If you see me, go. Uh, so you will see that in the in this grand scheme of things, is this running through the scriptures? If it is not, then somebody has picked something out. It says they distort the word of God. They distort the truth of the word of God. The large body of scripture is talking about something. These ones can come in and distort the truth. So false teachers distort the truth. And, and the Bible says that the pastors, again, he mentioned pastors there, that is the shepherds. He said, feed them. God has made you an overseer of his flock. So every genuine pastor understands that the flock are not their own, that they are under shepherds under Christ. So they don't bully the flock. They don't, they, don't, they don't abuse the flock. They take care of the flock because it belongs to someone. Every genuine pastor, priest, prophet, understands that they are stewards. You will see that those who are fake don't look at it that way. They think they own the flock. So they control the flock. So there's control in that environment instead of leadership in that place. They are two different things. You know, control is that people don't have their freedom. They are like robots and puppets. They are told, sit, you sit, you can't think on your own. You know, drink this grass and you drink it. Drink this and drink it. Roll on the floor, do this, do that. You know, it's... There's no way you can check with the scriptures to balance it. Nothing. You are not given opportunity to read it also in scripture and see. In those places, there's no room for divergent view. There's no alternative view to what the leader suggested. People are not having the freedom to suggest things 
or speak. Everybody is afraid. There's fear in that environment and there's total control. But when you are a genuine servant of God, you understand that you don't own the flock. You are called to oversee them, supervise them, be a steward, feed the flock of God. Look at it. It says, so guard yourself and God's people. Feed and shepherd God's flock. You see, it's not yours. It's God's flock. These are some of the telltale signs that this is not looking good. This is not right. Something is wrong in this church. Um, and that is very important that we look at. The Bible said they distort the truth. Please, let's go to Galatians 4, verse 17, where we see the other reference to a false teacher. So we finish false apostles. We are looking at scriptures that support the, or mention the fact that there are also false teachers. Galatians 4, 17. Those false teachers are so eager to win your favor, mm. but their intentions are not good. Mm. They are trying to shut you off from me so that you pay attention only to them. Amen. Amen. So again, we are, told you, we are told that false teachers, they are eager to win people's favor. So it means that they can tell them whatever they want to hear. As the Bible says, they will heap, people will heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. So whatever you want to hear, that's what that teacher will t- tell you. They don't tell you the truth. They don't correct you or anything because they want to just have a following. So the intention is not to serve Christ. The intention is for themselves. And so they don't care what they preach. You know, if I remember some years ago, uh, I was invited to a church. And uh, when I arrived, they didn't say anything to me. When I arrived, the pastor called me said, oh, I want to, I understand, I know, I've heard a lot of your messages, but this church, we only preach grace and mercy. So don't attack anybody, don't speak anything against any sin, just grace and mercy. I said, then I want to go home. <laughs> because uh, uh, I, don't, I don't have to worry myself. It's not going to be grace and mercy. Unless the Lord wants me to preach grace and mercy, but it's not going to happen. But these are so eager to win people's favor and to turn them away from where the truth is. Um, 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 1 to 3, and then we'll take verses 12 to 18. 2 Peter 1 to 3, and 12 to 18. Yeah. All right. But there were also false prophets in Israel, just as there will be false teachers among you. Mm-hmm. They will cleverly teach destructive heresies mm. and even deny the master who bought them. So have you seen their characteristics? They cleverly, that means you won't detect it quickly. They cleverly teach heresies. Heresies are doctrines that are not in line with the acceptable doctrines of the word of God. So these are false teachings, but they cleverly package it. We saw the first false teacher in Genesis chapter 3. He came in around the same tree <laughs> with Eve and cleverly presented a teaching that sounded like what God said, but it's not the same. And Eve was confused about it. You know, if, even though Eve gave the answer, he went on further to say, no, let me teach you something. I want to teach you some deep things. <laughs> you know, some of these people want to teach some deep things. Uh, listen, stay simple. <laughs> All those that want to go deep, they end up in deep confusion and error. You know, God is so simple to be understood. But Eve listened to some deep teachings and she was told that God was lying and that if she takes of that fruit, she'll be like God, etc., etc. And uh, she followed that teaching and uh, we are here. (laughs) 
in this way they will bring sudden destruction on themselves. Mm. Many will follow their evil teaching and shameful immorality. Mm -hmm. And because of these teachers, the way of truth will be slandered. Now this is where the key is. That's why we are having the problem we are having. That's why this teaching is important. It is the existence of false teachers that has now slandered all those who are even genuine. Because now people say, I don't even know what the genuine pastor looks like. You are all the same. You are all the same. You are all the same. You know, so it becomes very difficult. It says because of this sort of teaching, genuine people are slandered. The genuine church is slandered. That's why we must be awake to detect this, teach against it, and help people discern what a true church is and from a faith church. It talks about shameful immorality. It's one of the characteristics of false ministers. There is immorality. There is lack of teaching of truth. Um, let's continue. Verse 3. Mm -hmm. In their greed, they will make up clever lies to, hold, to get hold of your money. Have you seen it there? <laughs> I mentioned that these are the characteristics we see of them. They are lying. They lie consistently. They are greedy. You know, in the qualifications of pastors in 1 Timothy chapter 3, we see that a lot has got to do with our character, which is very, very key. And then we, many times in that scripture, it says, not greedy. Not greedy. Because greed can make you do stuff that is not biblical. You know, so people come with all kinds of gimmicks for people to give. You know, and it says, they want to take hold of your money. The church of Jesus Christ needs money to run. But if we need money, a genuine man of God will present it in a way to say, these are the facts on the ground. This is what we need for that. We need to teach honestly what the scripture says about offerings, about tithes. Teach correctly on that. Then, if there's any other thing that is needed, if it's a building project, if it's for welfare, it's for orphanage, say we need this much for orphanage. And let's be honest about it. Rather than, you know, falsehoods to lure and lie and you know, <laughs> bring some strange things. I believe today, today's date, some false teacher and prophet will collect some money from people because it's, it's the second of the second 2022. It will never come again. The last time it happened was 100 years ago. And so you'll be told to bring, you know, that total sum of money. You know, either you are bringing 2,022 pounds or you are adding two, two to them, you know, and all that, this kind of lies, the Holy Ghost doesn't work like that. So, oh, it's the bishop's birthday, then you just combine the, the date, his date of birth, and you say, this amount of money, everybody should give. This is the sign. They are greedy for these things. If you want people to bless the bishop, say, this is what we want to bless bishop with. Everybody, let's give to honor him. Scripture has provision for that. But let's not lie and use the scripture to twist people's arms and collect their properties from them. And say, see what the Lord has done. The devil even knows that you are lying. So people's properties have been taken from them. People's spouses have been taken from them. The scripture clearly says, do not covet your neighbor's properties. The operations of false teachers and false prophets and false apostles and false or fake pastors is that they covet these things. They are greedy for wealth. And they flaunt it too. So you can see the difference. In their greed, they will make up clever lies to get hold of your money. Please underline those ones and highlight them. Please carry on for me. But God condemned them long ago and their destruction will not be delayed. Mm, so false teachers and fake pastors have their end. God will judge them. 
That's why you don't have to be in their ministry. Verse 12. Verse 12. These false teachers are like unthinking animals, creatures of instinct, born to be caught and destroyed. They scoff at things they do not understand, and like animals, they will be destroyed. Their destruction is their reward for the harm they have done. They love to indulge in evil pleasures in broad daylight. Evil pleasures in broad daylight. I don't know whether you've seen some of them, but <laughs> on, on, online, you see some of them. Yeah, evil pleasures in broad daylight. You know, they are not even sorry. They are not sorry for any sin they have committed. It doesn't move them at all, you know, because they are all pretenders. Um, you can try to be nice and good for a season, but you can't be consistently so if the devil is inside you. You know, and your intentions show. Because the moment they get some wealth, you see how they display it. You see their behavior, their conduct. They don't look like men of God and women of God in Scripture. You see them like some, some stars, some Hollywood stars, some depraved guys. Their gestures and everything, it tells you. Um, carry on, you see. They are a disgrace and a stain among you. Mm. you deli- they delight in deception, even as they eat with you in your fellowship meals. You see why it is difficult to discern them? Because you could be attending their fellowship. But whilst they are eating with you, the Bible says they deceive. Mm. Carry on. They commit adultery with their eyes. They commit adultery with their eyes. So they are adulterous and also... They also lust evil, the mental adultery. They desire people. They lust after other people. But they commit adultery. So you see, we are seeing a lot what they teach and then what they practice, their conduct. The, the fruit of the Spirit is not there. You see an opposite of that. And their desire for sin is never satisfied. Their desire for sin is never satisfied. They are not sorry when they sin. The only time they are sorry is because they were caught. And it's going to be a scandal in the news. But after some time, they just brazenly push through and then people are still following them. They lure unstable people into sin mm. and they are well trained in greed. You see greed again. They are well trained in greed. These are experts, PhD holders in greed. <laughs> they, know, they are greedy to the point that they can rob you of anything, but they can spice it with scriptures that you will not tell the difference. They live under God's curse. Mm. They have wandered off the right road and followed the full footsteps of Balaam, son of Beor, who loved to earn money by doing wrong. Mm. But Balaam was stopped from his mad cause when his donkey rebuked him with a human voice. Mm. These people are as useless as dried up springs or as mist blown away by the wind. They are doomed to blackest darkness. Mm. They will brag about themselves with empty, foolish boasting. Have you seen some of them like that? They brag. They brag about themselves, Mm. yes. With an appeal to twisted sexual desires, Mm. they lure back into sin those who have barely escaped from a lifestyle of deception. Too much to take there, but it gives you a clue of their operations and how to pick them up. Revelations 2. So we can end on the false teachers. Revelations chapter 2. We see that the church in Pergamon, the Lord was not happy with some of them for supporting false doctrines taught by false teachers. Revelations 2, 14. Uh, 2, verse 12, and then 14. 14. Okay. 
Write, verse 12, write this letter to the angel of the church in Pergamum. This is the message from the one with the sharp, the sharp two-edged sword. 14, but I have a few complaints against you. You tolerate some among you whose teaching is like that of Balaam, who showed Balak how to trip up the people of Israel. He taught them to sin by eating food offered to idols and by committing sexual sin. In a similar way, you have some Nicolaitans among you who follow the same teaching. So you see again, there are characteristics. There's always the mention of greed. There's a mention of sexual sins. There's a mention of false teaching. You know, things that are not in line with the spirit and letter of the word of God. So scripture talks about, um, you know, being faithful in marriage. And you come and teach things that, look, you can marry anybody that you like. You can marry as many as you want. You know, they are, now there's a whole movement that they are having ladies who are marrying more men, you know, to, to equate the, the, the men who marry more women. You know. If this is not madness, but you have, you have, you have pastors, so-called, I mean, but now you can pick them up by their fruit. Watch out for the fruit. I'm talking about consistent fruit. You will see it. And it's showing these things there. You see some of their services and their gatherings, you will see the kind of things that go on there. So don't be deceived by the edifice, by the building, by the disco lights, and all the other smoke and all those things that go on in. Check a few things out. Doctrine, practice, character, key. But every time you see consistent mention of greed, sexual sins, they don't, they don't correct it. They don't teach against it. They don't address it. It just runs through. The whole place is, is mess. <laughs> then let's look at false prophets. Scripture mention of false prophets. Let's start with Jeremiah 23, verse 28, and then 30 to 32. Still using the NLT. Jeremiah 23, 28. Let these false prophets tell their dreams. But let my true messengers faithfully proclaim my every word. Mm. There's a difference between straw and grain. Wow. Amen. Amen. And 30. then 30 to 32. Therefore, says the Lord, I am against these prophets who steal messages from each other and claim they are from me. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen some of them around? Some of them are even Facebook prophets. I am against these smooth-tongued prophets who say, this prophecy is from the Lord. I'm against these false prophets. Their imaginary dreams are flagrant lies that lead many people into sin. I did not send or appoint them, and they have no message at all for my people. I, the Lord, have spoken. Wow. Let's clap for the Lord. <laughs> the Lord is giving us a disclaimer. <laughs> he said, I haven't sent them. You know, you don't have to force prophecy. You know, so sometimes there will be a lot of false prophets. You know, they, they just, they, they ask someone to tell them something about you. Then they come into the service and start saying it. You know, they, they look at your profile on Facebook and they start prof prophesying to you. You know, and they don't know that you don't, you, you have seen that. But many people are deceived easily by that. You know, but the scripture says that they, they tell lies and God says he's against them. They steal messages from each other and claim they are from God. And I'm against these smooth tongue 
prophets. You see, they are smooth tongued. They know how to talk. Some of them have got oratory. One of the problems of today's Christians is that we think oratory means anointing. Especially when you hear American preachers and the way they are talking and they are talking fast. You think talking fast means anointing. <laughs> Where what they are talking about? You know, sometimes we've got a lot of believers, wishy-washy Christians. And they just think because something rhymes poetically, it means it's of God. Some of them are absolute nonsense and they are just unbiblical. It just doesn't make sense. You know, there's this phrase going on, whatever God can do does not exist. I don't understand that thing. I don't know. People just, I said, do you think, look at it again. Does it make sense to you? Whatever God can do, then doesn't exist. What is the meaning of that? Because you saw someone use it. Yeah, you too, you are using it. God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above what we ask or think of. And he calls those things that be not as though they were. So you can't be using that phrase. It sounds poetic, but it doesn't make sense scripturally. Hey, may the church wake up. So we, oratory does not translate into anointing. A smooth talker and a fast talker doesn't really mean anointing. Sometimes God can anoint someone and they can speak very, very slowly, but God is still talking. So don't be moved by American shouters. They carry nothing sometimes, just wind. But just check the weight of the content of what they are preaching. Is it the word of God? Can you balance it with the word of God? That's the most important thing. And the spirit behind it. Because these days, there's too many things around now. You can just hear someone memorize what they have said and just come and chew, pour it, and pass it out. And then we'll say, wow, look at him. He's anointed. He hasn't even gone into the scriptures to see what he's talking about. So the Bible says they are fragrant liars. And they lead people into sin. So you find out they don't point out sins. Watch them carefully. Those men, those false prophets don't point out sin. True prophets of God, they point out sin. That's why the people stone them. If all that they are teaching is what some of the things we are hearing, why would you stone the apostles? Why would you stone the true prophets of God? Their message cuts. Every genuine prophecy of God may not necessarily be good news. It may be warning. You know, these days prophecy is, when it shall be well with you, all shall be well. As soon as it is warning, admonition, nobody wants it anymore. It's not called. It's an old Noah. Lamentations 2.14. Lamentations 2.14. Your prophets have said so many foolish things, false to the core. They did not save you from exile by pointing out your sins. Instead, they painted false pictures, filling you with false hope. Amen. Amen. It's one of the ways to tell a false prophet. They fill people with false hope. They don't point out the sins that people are in that would take them out of it. So, so long as this person is rich, they don't care where the money is coming from. Whether it's from drugs or anything, they won't talk about it. Because the greed moves them not to teach the word of God. Because they are not of God. When you are of God, it's not about what you will get. You deliver God's message. You lay your life down for the flock. Jesus said this is the characteristic of a true prophet or a true shepherd. The true shepherd lives, gives his life for the sheep. But the hireling 
the false prophet, the false pastor. He runs away when he sees the wolf approaching. He, he can't stand for them. He's not going to fast for you. Whilst he asks everybody to fast, he's drinking milo. <laughs> so he said they have spoken foolish things. But people can't tell his foolish things. They are not wise to discern. So they hail them. Say, this is the prophet of the year. This is the prophet of the nation. This is the prophet. God only speaks on 31st December. Can't he speak anything about a year ahead before 31st December? False prophets. They don't point out sins. They, everybody is fine. Everybody is fine. Don't judge. They don't talk about that. Okay, let's carry on, please. So you find out again the Lord was not happy with the church in Thyatira for allowing a false prophetess to operate freely in there. Revelations 2, 18 and 20. Revelations 2, 18 and 20. Write this letter to the angel of the church in Tyre. This is the message from the Son of God, whose eyes are like flames of fire, whose feet are like polished bronze. 20. But I have this complaint against you. You are permitting that woman, that Jezebel who calls herself a prophet, to lead my servants astray. She teaches them to commit sexual sin and to eat food offered to idols. Amen. Have you seen it again? See the characteristics. They teach them to commit sexual sins. They teach them to do the wrong thing. To have communion with demons. Because food offered to idols have been dedicated to idols. So when you participate in it, you are participating at the table of demons. In 1 Corinthians 11, Paul teaches that. He says, we participate in the table of the Lord with the Lord. And therefore, we cannot participate in the table of demons as well. Because foods offered to idols are dedicated to anything that is dedicated to any spirit being. Anytime you participate in it, you are actually in communion with that spirit being. And so, scripture says that Jezebel is a false prophet. The real Jezebel has died. But the spirit that ruled her was a greedy spirit. And it says that, she leads my servants astray. False prophets, false teachers, false churches lead people astray. They lead them into idol worship. They make it look like it's the same God. There can't be, that's why I said, the scripture says that the doctrinal test is that Jesus has come and he is the son of God. We don't pray to any other person except through him. So any other church, or doctrine. There's another movement now in Ghana. They call it something, something. They wear red and they are barefooted and they, you know, say that this is what our ancestors worship. There is only one way to God and that is through Jesus the Christ. All the gods and all those ones, they are not the way. And somebody, a true prophet of God will point this out clearly without compromise. See, when you are a servant of God, you don't fear anybody. But if it is stomach direction, then you'll be afraid what to teach means that your money is not coming. People, if you, there are some things when you teach, nobody's going to give an offering. <laughs> but when God calls you, he will sustain you. So you look out for all these things, but we must teach the truth. For these people, they don't teach the truth. They teach people to do the wrong things and they justify it with some strange scriptures. They say, oh, David did it and Abraham did it, so you don't have to worry. No, we are not in their days. God clearly disciplined them for that. And the word of God is clear. 
Please come with me to Revelation 13. Sorry, Revelation 16, 13 to 14. Revelation 16, 13 to 14. Revelation 16, 13 to 14. And I saw three evil spirits that looked like frogs leap from the mouths of the dragon, the beast, and the false prophets. They are demonic spirits who work miracles and go out to all the rulers of the world to gather them for battle against the Lord on that great judgment day of God the Almighty. Amen. This scripture tells us, just like the similar one in the book of Chronicles where, um, and even in Kings, in, in the time of war, where the true prophet of God came and said, don't go out to the battle, you are not going to win. Uh, Micaiah said that. And then 400 false prophets, the Bible says a lying spirit came and possessed them. We are told here that evil spirits, three evil spirits that look like frogs, leap from the mouths of the dragon, the beast, and the false prophet. So that means that false prophets have evil spirits operating through them. So they prophesy by satanic power, but by their conduct, there's no fear of God. Anybody genuinely filled with the Spirit of God cannot go on doing wrong and be happy. The Spirit of God will convict you. When you are filled with the Spirit of God, when you, do, when you sin, you will be convicted by the Spirit of God. It will convict you. You feel bad. You feel, you feel like everybody has seen what you have done. The Holy Spirit does that. But when you have people who, they are chronically immune. <laughs> they have been immunized. <laughs> They've taken their sin vaccination. Nothing changes. They are not sorry. They commit sin upon sin upon sin. It's a sign. And that is a sign of a false teacher and a false prophet. Um, spirits possess them. Matthew seven fifteen. False prophet. Matthew 7, 15. Beware of false prophets who come disguised as harmless sheep, but they are really vicious wolves. Mm. Amen. Jesus is the one teaching here. He said we should be beware of them. That means that it's very important that you look out for false prophets. Don't be swayed by what they are prophesying because the prophetic gift itself is very, very attractive. Um, it's fascinating. So how is he seeing these things? But the Bible tells us that evil spirits can also possess people to see things about people's future. That is why we need to correctly discern by the gift of the Holy Spirit. In the book of Acts, Paul was able to detect that what the girl is saying sounds correct. But the spirit she's operating by is not true. And if you don't detect that, a lot will be led astray. So Jesus Christ here is the one warning us and say, beware of false prophets who come disguised as harmless sheep. So you can't just tell them easily. You have to critically examine them because they look like a genuine person. Um, verse 16. Verse 16. You can identify them by their fruit. That is by the way they act. That's what I was talking about. You watch them carefully. It must be consistent. You see the consistent nature of their behavior. Can you pick grapes from thorn, brush, thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Mm. Please carry on, 17. A we are good, going to 20. Okay. A good tree produces good fruit, and a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can't produce bad fruit, 
and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. Amen. So every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire. Yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, you can identify people by their actions. Amen. Amen. It says that a good tree cannot bear bad fruit because the fruit comes from the seed that makes the tree. So if somebody says, I am an apple, we want to see apple fruit consistently. You can't this morning show us some apple and then after some time we now see guava throughout. You say, really? Are you that one? How can that be? It's not possible. Even if you put two, two, two seeds together, it won't produce that kind of tree. So it's very clear. Jesus said, watch them carefully. Their actions will tell you. Their behavior, their conduct is key. When they are full of the spirit of God, there's a limit to how much they can sin. Okay. 24, Matthew 24, 11 to 12, and then verse 24. Matthew 24, 11 to 12. And many false prophets will appear and will deceive many people. Sin will be rampant everywhere, and the love of many will grow cold. Verse 24. For false messiahs and false prophets will rise up and perform great signs and wonders so as to deceive if possible, even God's chosen ones. Amen. Amen. So the intention of a false prophet is to deceive. And the scripture says, they will deceive many and there will be rampant sin everywhere. You see, in their, in their environment, sin is not condemned. It's one of the classical signs. Sin is not condemned. Anything goes. Anything goes. Anything goes. So you see that, um, and that's why we, we see the that this scripture also mentions false prophets. First John 4, 1 to 3, where we read earlier on, it also mentions that false prophets have gone into the world. False prophets have gone into the world. And then Acts chapter 13, verse 6 to 11. Acts 13, 6 to 11. Afterward, they traveled from town to town across the entire island until finally they reached Paphos where they met a Jewish sorcerer, a false prophet named Bar-Jesus. Mm. He had attached himself to the governor, Sergius Paulus, who was an intelligent man. The governor invited Barnabas and Saul to visit him, for he wanted to hear the word of God. But Elymas, the sorcerer, as his name means in Greek, interfered and urged the governor to pay no attention to what ba Paul and ba um, Barnabas and Saul said, he was trying to keep the governor from believing. Saul, also known as Paul, was filled with the Holy Spirit, and he looked the sorcerer in the eye. Then he said, You son of the devil, full of every sort of deceit and fraud, an enemy of all that is good, will you never stop perverting the true ways of the Lord? Watch now, for the Lord has laid his hand of punishment upon you, and you will be struck blind, you will not see the sunlight for some time. Instantly, mist and darkness came over the man's eyes, and he began groping around, begging for someone to take his hand and lead him. Amen. Amen. So you see, the Bible describes this person as a false prophet. And then we are told a few characteristics about him. When the truth was being preached, he wanted to divert the attention of this governor from listening to the truth. False prophets don't teach the truth of the word of God. 
they only present what people want to hear so as to be able to deceive them and by their greed, take something from them. But then you see another characteristic of him as Paul, who was full of the Holy Spirit, described him, verse 10. He said, you son of the devil. So you see that false prophets are full of the devil. They are full of satanic spirits. They are not of God. Paul described him as son of the devil, full of every sort of deceit and fraud. You see again deceit, you see fraud. They are very fraudulent. <laughs> very, very, they are masters at it. Uh, you can tell. And the Bible says they are enemy of all that is good. Will you never stop perverting the true ways of the Lord? So they pervert the true ways of the Lord. They don't point out what is right. And people get deceived because they seem to be working some signs and wonders. Satan also works signs and wonders. So signs and wonders alone is not validation of a call of God. Then it must match character too. It must match character. That's why we see the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5. Um, and it talks from verse 22 where it talks about the fruit of the Spirit, ninefold fruit of the Spirit. And we see the gifts of the Spirit in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 that is also ninefold. So the gift must match character. We can't have one out of step. Amen. So as we can see, the motive of false prophets for service is selfishness, not selflessness. They, they, don't, they don't have time for their congregation. Everything is, is greed-centered, money-oriented. And therefore, in the atmosphere of a false church, it is very cultic because they control the people and they put fear in you. In a cult, one of the classical signs of a cult is that you can't live easily. I remember some years ago, some people left our church and they were describing us as a cult. And I asked myself, how easy was it for you to leave? <laughs> was it not very easy for you to leave? And you are describing us as a cult. If you really met a cult, you can't leave. You'll be afraid to leave. Because you are tied into covenants upon covenants. You are threatened with so many things. Threatened with death. A lot of harassment on your life. You won't be able to leave easily. That's why you sometimes when you hear why someone went into such a situation for a very long time. It's not because they didn't know they were in the wrong place, but they are afraid to leave. There are some churches like that. They're just afraid to leave because the consequences that will happen, uh, it is not easy. <laughs> the threats and the curses uh, that go along with that is a very clear sign. This is a controlling place. Uh, but in the place where it's a true church, it fits into God's grand plan from the beginning. We were created to dominate the earth, animals, every part of creation. It was only when humans were created that we were never given a chance to dominate another human being. Any dominance of another human being is witchcraft. And that's characteristic in such places. It's Jezebelic. It's, it's, it's witchcraft. It's controlling. She controlled Ahab. And the greed was there to kill Naboth and have his, his garden for himself. You know, they, they are covetous all around. You see the classical sign of it. And they don't care about the flock. They are not sensitive to the needs of the flock. You know, 
they continue to drain you until you are left with nothing. You know, they don't think that, okay, I think they have genuine problems why they haven't given. You know, in some of those places, when you don't give, they insult you. You know, they, they embarrass you publicly and all of that. It tells you that the whole thing is not about service, but it's more about their own show off. And this is one of the classical signs of false places. Amen. I've spoken a lot on this. Maybe there are follow-up questions on that and see whether we have time to really deal with demons too. <laughs> yes, please. Thank you very much, Papa. You're welcome. Are you not happy that you joined us this evening? Um, Bishop said we shouldn't go too deep, but we've gone deep this evening. <laughs> um, Bishop has, if you've just joined us, um, Bishop has really given us an exposition on false prophets, false pastors, false apostles and false teachers and it's all about the doctrine you need to be careful what doctrine they are saying it's about the character you will see chronic unrepentant sin we've mentioned a lot and we've read a lot about greed and sexual sins and we have to pray that the lord will help us to be able to detect with the help of the holy spirit some of these false prophets we have two follow-up questions, Papa. Okay. So the first one is that um, if you know that somebody is a false prophet, mm. are you okay to publicly say that the person is a false prophet? Should you proclaim it that this person is a false prophet? All right. Um, the Bible teaches us to expose the works of darkness. Um, it depends on who detects that the person is a false prophet. I think it will be more authoritative and will be believed by the people you want to help. You know, the, what is the reason why I want to expose a false prophet? To help somebody. Now, the people that we want to help, sometimes they are in bondage and they love the bondage because they are deceived. <laughs> so it depends on the authority of the person who is going to make the expo expose um, in terms of the uh, bringing it out. If it's just someone who just goes to church, they'll just say, what do you know? You know, so even though probably by the spirit of God, you have picked this thing up, that this is a false prophet, this is a false church. The people in bondage are not going to believe you because you don't carry any clout. You know, and that's why sometimes that's where the problem lies that they have been delivered out and they are questioning the one who is delivering them. Who, who do you think you are? We, we are happy where we are. We are fine where we are. You know, but maybe if it's coming from another senior man of God, much respected man of God, probably it will be believed. You know, sadly, this is the situation. Um, but if God can use anybody, God can use anybody to actually discern. And that's why every believer must be full of the Holy Spirit. You know, Seeing them by their actions, etc. Like I said, how do you tell the David from this one? You know, so it is the, that's why we need the Holy Spirit, especially the gift of discerning of spirits. It is a supernatural ability given by the Holy Spirit to discern what kind of spirit is in operation at any point in time. We have seen through the scriptures we have read this evening that false teachers, false apostles, and false prophets are possessed with an evil spirit. That means that if the Holy Spirit, we have allowed him to function correctly in us, it will be able to discern correctly. It will be able to scan such a church and tell you this one is not correct. Like Paul was able to do that in Acts chapter 16. 
and was able to tell. The girl was prophesying for a few days. And she says, these are the men of God that show us the way of salvation. It's correct. So that's why the Bible says, cleverly they will come in. But the Bible says by a few days later, Paul was grieved in his spirit. That's how you pick some of these things from the Spirit of God. That's why you must be full of the Holy Spirit, full of the Word of God. The foundation of holiness should be there. This is what creates the atmosphere for quickly picking the voice of God or downloading stuff in the realm of the Spirit, into your spirit. That's, the Spirit of God has been talking, but we are too busy because we are cluttered with a lot of sin. Our mind is on so many things. When you pray a lot, pray and fast, read the Word, foundation of holiness, this is the atmosphere in which it becomes very easy for the Holy Spirit to communicate. And your, your feelings will become the feelings of the Spirit of God. And so you are able to pick some things. Sometimes you may be grieved about something and you just can't explain what it is, but that is the starting point. So when you start having that sort of feeling, you pray further into it, unless you have had so much experience. If I get that feeling, I know what it is. If I, if I meet somebody who has just committed fornication, there's a way I pick it. I've done this for more than 30-something years. It's, it's just straight. You just pick it. Now, but someone who is just coming up, something will be off. When you pray further and ask, Holy Spirit, What's the meaning of this feeling? Can you help me? Please, it's a very powerful prayer. It looks simple, but the Spirit of God will take you to the next step. Maybe he may, speak, he may not speak audibly, but when you go and sleep, you may have a dream vividly about that person or about the circumstance you just passed by. And then it helps you. So gradually you begin to know, this is how he talks to me. And then you master it gradually. And then it begins to, to, to become part of you. So the gift of discerning your spirits is crucial to pick up false churches and false pastors. And then the gift of the word of knowledge, which is the supernatural ability to know events that have happened in the past and are happening now. You know, so Peter was able to tell Ananias and Sapphira, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? You sold your lamp for this. You planned all these things in your bedroom. See, this is word of knowledge. But word, the gift of discerning your spirits is what Paul picked up with a girl who was possessed with a spirit of divination and could tell the difference. So these two are so crucial to the Christian. It's not only for pastors. The Bible says these gifts, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, is given for everyone, to everyone, to profit everyone. So you can take advantage of that and ask God to fill you with his Holy Spirit and, and let you experience these spiritual gifts. They are very, very important, especially in the days in which we live. Amen. 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 May the Lord help us. Um, Papa. Yes. The, the people who go to churches that, false churches and churches that are led by false prophets and apostles. Mm. So are they doomed forever? Or um, I think it was, it's in uh, Philippians that mm. Paul says that some people preach out of envy. Mm. Um, but whatever the motive, the word of God is being preached. So is there a possibility of someone going to a false church? and still being able to be saved somehow by the word that is preached there? Um, that, that, that depends on what is actually being preached there, especially in terms of salvation. Because if, like the scripture says, if the, one of the ways to tell a false prophet uh, or a false teacher is if they acknowledge that Jesus has come in the flesh and that he's the son of God. Are they preaching that from the pulpit? Are people being asked to become born again there? Or they just all come, and as soon as they come, they are drinking oil, drinking water. That is what is going, you know, sprinkled on them or some kind of, you know, sometimes one of the classical things you see is the fear, you know, because you could see these are like, you know, witch doctors 
who have metamorphosed into pastors because it looks like a big business now. And therefore, they are now in suit. But when you go to the shrine, at least two characteristics are there. When you go, they will put fear in you and, and then tell you who is attacking you. And then the next thing is you have to bring this for this to be done for you. You know, so it looks like God won't act until people have given something. Okay? So in the shrine, that's what happens there. And in some of these false churches, you see this classical sign. Fear is put into you. You're about to die now. You must bring this now. Otherwise, you will die. You know, otherwise your family is going to be destroyed. Otherwise this, you know, so that fear is put into you. So if they are not teaching the people the fundamentals of what it takes to be born again, then we have a big problem. I remember I worked with a lady some years ago. She's very intelligent. She's been to school, but she's in a very big denomination, you know, one of these old established churches. Um, um, and, and I told her that she must be born again. She told me I'm lying. I said, Jesus said it. He said, he said it's not true. You know, because they don't go to church with the Bible. They go to church with a, a particular document. I don't want to expose them. Yeah, but it's, yeah, but that, that is what the issue is. So they don't preach such things, even in some of those denominations, you know, because it's more of I was born into here. We run our rituals. We got our things. We pray through a certain woman in the Bible. And then, you know, all of that. So when I told her you must be born again, she told me you are lying. I remember very well. She's, you know, she was just at a pharmacy and I went there to really pick some drug and I just say, hey, hello, how are you? Are you born again? She said, oh, it was a Monday. She said, hey, how was your Sunday? I said, well, we went to church. And I said, but you know you must be born again. He said, you are lying. I said, you must be born again. It's there in your Bible. So I said, take your own Bible. But she, she's been in this church for a long time. And she actually for some part of her life she lived with the archbishop of, of that um, denomination in that part of Ghana. You know, she, she, she has lived with him. And yet she doesn't know that she must be born again. So again, you can find that in some of these places that this truth may not be there. Because they can go for all they can and hear all the good preachings and say amen to them and prophecies upon them that can come to pass. But if they have not all given their lives to Christ, and the teaching does not make an altar call or present the gospel in a way that they can believe, they'll die and go to hell. And that's, that's the difference. You know, so what is being taught there is key. Amen. Amen. The Lord help us. 100 churches in 10 years. We have a, <laughs> we have a huge responsibility. Yes. Amen. Yes. Amen. Madeline is going to be sent to Kenya. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Papa, what can you do apart from praying for someone who goes to a church that you clearly know is, is not a good church? Um, what can you do to help that person? I, I believe that some of these false churches, um, as I said, some of them are founded on the satanic foundation. So sometimes there are spells on the people. That's why they look like, you guys, can't you see? You know, you see a lot of them troop into the place. And you ask whether they are all blind. And it is possible they are blind. Uh, because when it comes to spiritual things, sometimes some of those places you access it barefooted. And you know that the five gates of the body is one of the ways that you can easily be accessed and controlled. So you have to come in barefooted 
into that particular place, and then they have authority and control over you. So some people are actually under some spells. It will take prayer. Uh, we will have to pray that the eyes of the understanding be enlightened, that God will open their eyes. God will let them see the truth um, to come out of the place. And then when we get opportunity, let's speak the truth to them. God is able to watch over his word. The Holy Spirit is able to take the word from our lips and communicate it to bring conviction to their hearts, and suddenly they wake up from it. So when we get the least opportunity, let's preach the truth to them. Um, but we have to pray before. Otherwise, it will be a needless argument because they don't believe that they are in the wrong place. They'll say if it's a wrong place, things are working for us. You know, but things are not necessarily working for them. Amen. Amen. And then as a follow-up to that one. Yes. What if, if you have someone who was a member of such a church, right? Mm. You said that a lot of these churches are be, uh, founded based on, you know, satanic principles and things like that. So if you once were a member of such a church and you've left, not mm. because you found out that it was false, but maybe you relocated, mm. you've joined another church, and now you, you know you have accepted Christ, mm. um, what do you need to do because you've you've partaken in that atmosphere? Mm. Is there something else that you have to do or once you accept Christ, you are fine? Um, well, the first thing is that the person accepts Christ. If they have done that, um, sometimes it will be wise um, to maybe have a conversation with the pastor of the new church and say where you have come from. That's why in our church, when we are filling the membership form, we ask all these questions. Um, where have you been before, uh, etc.? The intention is for this, so that to, we can help to know that how much have you dedicated yourself to what is going on there? Because certain covenants were established. So your salvation is one, because salvation originally dealt with original sin. Um, then there could be side effects of things that we have signed up to. There may be things that you have swallowed uh, in those places. There are eggs and things that you may have eaten from those places. And we know whenever you are giving eggs from those places, they are signs of devotion. So you are devoted to a deity. And that have to be, you have to be prayed for uh, to be delivered from that. Um, so a lot of things may happen uh, from those places. Certain practices, certain, maybe you went to the beach. They, you have to describe exactly what you were doing in those places. It will help a very genuine man of God or woman of God to discern what may be the possible repercussions that you may still be carrying on your head, which needs to be dealt with by prayer so that at least you can be free, um, so that you don't have any of these things coming back because these are demons. And once you leave some of those places, they try to control you remotely and, and follow you because you indirectly didn't know that you signed covenants with them. You know, so it's important to, to come clean. Um, let the new church know uh, trust someone, trust the pastor, uh, and just say to them, this is where I've come from. If they don't have that already, uh, in, in Christ Church, we already have the forms that we, we feel. So somebody's coming to join our church, they feel these forms, um, we hold on to them. When they finish new life school, and then that's why we do the orientation. So the orientation is one-on-one -on -one before you are received into membership. That's where pastor will ask you a lot of questions about from the form. Say, oh, I was in that church. And sometimes somebody doesn't know it's even a wrong church, but we will know when we look at, oh, this church you came from, really, then we know that, oh, no, there's something we have to deal with. And then we'll be able to tell you, do you see any difference between here and there? Do you know that this is what is happening here and that and that? You know? So 
it's very, very important that, uh, you know, you, you get to know these things. Um, I remember that uh, some years ago, some years ago, I was, in a, I was in a school of prophets so many, many years ago. I think somewhere 98, thereabouts. And there was an incident that happened in South Africa. Um, in that church, in that church, some of the great names that we know uh, from America has been there. They have been in that church. They've preached there. Um, I remember in that church, Benny Hinn has been there. He's preached there. Uh, some of these big names have been there. Uh, but then when one of us got there, I wouldn't disclose who it is, but when one of us got to that place, that same place, that same pulpit, he just discerned there's something wrong here. And then he picked a word of knowledge and asked the pastor in charge that it looks like every October somebody dies here. And somebody of the age between 35 and 40 dies in this church. The pastor said yes. Then he said to the pastor, but you are not the founder of this church. The founder of the church did not found this church on the right premise. Even though it's a well-known church, big names are coming to that pulpit. And so a lot of exercise have to be done on that night because the details were very vivid in terms of what God was revealing. And then on the stage where the pulpit was, the pulpit was removed. The direction of the Lord was, let them remove the pulpit. So the pulpit was removed. He said, can we dig? It's well, you know, you could see the stage. It's tiled. It dug. And they had to go to the next level to dig. And there you see a Freemason symbol right in there, buried there. You see bones. And you see a red cloth. And you see stains of blood in there. It tells you what this foundation was. But then, big names have come here. See, sometimes we will not descend. Because it's a big platform, we're all going. <laughs> but we need to descend. <laughs> Amen. Right. Amen. So people were then delivered from that because in there, you saw the date where things were put and it was October. I think it was 1962. That's when they started that church. See, that's why every October somebody dies. In the church. So that, that altar there is asking for blood and killing people innocently in the church. All that will happen is that the new pastor may not know all this. So people die every year in, in October. They are not thinking about it. Nobody's really tracking it. All that is today, oh, a sister has gone to be with the Lord. A brother has gone to be with the Lord. The Lord has taken, the Lord has, you know, given and taken away. And then we thank God and pray. But something is wrong with that foundation. Amen. 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 We need the help of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. Uh, one more question. Um, maybe we can. Okay, if there's a follow up, I think we will have to deal the, with the demons next week, <laughs> because this one has taken the time. Uh, so we have one more. We'll deal with how to cast demons out. How to deal with all. We'll do that all next week. Uh, yes. We have one, one final question. Okay. And it goes back to the Church of David that you introduced. Mm. So the question is, if you are in a church mm. and the pastor falls into um, sin mm. and it's repentant, is it right for you to leave or should you stay there because he's repented? Yes. It is right for you to stay. If the pastor has repented, 
In most cases, they come out to publicly speak. I remember in 1986, uh, we were in secondary school. And we've watched Jimmy Swaggart, you know, on videos. We love his ministry. And then there was breaking news. Jimmy Swaggart has fallen. Uh, he's fallen with his secretary. Um, and it was, it was a, a bad case. Uh, but I, I do remember that much as we were all not happy, that, oh, this man of God, this has happened, you know, because we had a lot of videos of him, and, and on campus we watch it sink, you know, he's not just a preacher, um, but this is what has happened to him. But then, I think a few weeks later, after all that, we also watched him stand before the whole church, admitting what he has done, his sin, and with the tears in his eyes, still standing there and asking the church to forgive him. Um, he owned up. Um, and that was remarkable. Um, I remember some years ago, one of the pastor friends I know went to the States and, and attended Jimmy Swaggart's service. And the stadium was full. And he said, wow, if this is Ghana, nobody will come again. <laughs> you know. But I believe that the difference between him and others was that he came, he boldly, unashamedly stood before the church and confessed what has happened. Um, same thing with Jimmy Baker. Uh, all of them are Jimmy, Jimmy, but we, <laughs> may God protects all of us who are called James. <laughs> Jim Baker, nobody preaches holiness more than him. And his, his own also came. And it wasn't very easy. Uh, so it depends. Those who are reluctant to try to, you see people walk away from the place, but naturally, you put yourself in the shoe. As the scripture says in Galatians 6, that if anybody's overtaking the sin, those who are, us who are spiritual, um, correct such a one in a spirit of meekness, considering yourself uh, that it may happen to you. But it is not a justification to, to do what is wrong, uh, but because we acknowledge that we are human. And so long as that person could behave like David, I think that's why it worked for David. Um, and anybody who has found themselves in that state, that is the best remedy. If it, if it comes out, you have to own it up. You have to come and stand before the congregation. You have to say it. It's not going to be easy, but you are dealing with God. If you are a genuine servant of God, you can't be proud of that. You, you know that mercy comes from God. Because if we pretend in the sight of people, we are going to go to hell secretly. <laughs> you know, God is going to deal with you secretly. So it's better to, to come out. And, and David came out. And I believe that in such a situation, then you don't leave. Um, you stay in and, 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 and work things out. But it's not going to be easy for a lot of people. Um, it's one of the reasons why when we are disciplining pastors, we discipline them quietly. So if you suspend a pastor, he still comes to church, but he's not supposed to tell other people that he's being disciplined. Because the person who can discipline that pastor has the power to restore that pastor and will be able to receive from that pastor from maturity. But not everybody. If you, that's why, you know, a few years ago when a few things were happening in our church, some people were ignorantly saying, you know, these uh, elders should have been quiet. I said, which elders are you talking about? <laughs> people have even fed you with lies and you are angry with me. If you come and sit in the 
counsel of how a pastor is disciplined and the cobwebs of the pastor is exposed to you, do you think you can receive from that pastor again? You don't have the maturity to do that. You know, and that's very important. So people who are leaders, they may make, we don't cover it, but there's a way to discipline them in a way that when they are restored, they'll have confidence to preach and people can receive from them. But sometimes people who are not mature will have a struggle receiving from this person who has actually fallen into such a state. You know, it takes a certain level of maturity to do that. And it's one of the reasons why when we are disciplining leaders, we don't expose it. Because you have to restore the person back. And if it's a person that's exposed in that way, how would the person be able to stand before the people and preach again? You know, and that's very, very important. So you, 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 you pastor wisely in that direction as well. And, but we make sure that not only leaders, but anybody, before we bring anybody out publicly, then there's, there's recalcitrance and there's difficulty and there's stubbornness and arrogance. That's what the Bible says. Them that seem consistent, them bring before all that others may fear. But when the senior pastor is involved in such a situation or is a leader involved in such a situation and it's so bad, it's all out there, uh, we can't hide it. The person has to be encouraged. You know, it's not going to be easy, but emotionally counsels, you need to stand before the church and you need to say this. Uh, let those who want to judge you, let them judge you. But if God has forgiven your sins, then as far as heaven's record are concerned, he says your sins and iniquities I will no longer remember. This is the gospel. Um, and so anybody holding that against you has a matter to do with God. And therefore, any other accusations is a false accusation according to heaven. Because when the sin is confessed and is forgiven, then the person can move on. Uh, but that is where sometimes the danger lies. And that is where the maturity of the church comes in. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. 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 Papa, thank you so very much for this evening. Mm. Um, what a way to start the year. I mean, this we have to listen to this over and over and over again. Mm. And we have to share it as well with other people because this is a message that needs to go out. So, can you help me, church, with some clapping, some thank yous online, some emojis. As we say thank you so much to Bishop, we are really, really blessed, Papa. Thank you very much. Thank you. And I just want to encourage us that um, we need to pray for our, our pastors. We need to pray for our prophets, our apostles, and our teachers. Um, listening to Bishop, uh, you know, some of the examples that he's been given and the scriptures that we've been reading, they need our support. They need our prayers. Let's not just be Sunday church people who go to church and come back and want pastor or bishop or reverend to pray for us. But let's be people who also pray for them. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Amen.